Crafty Radio, episode 79, June 14th, Flag Day, 2007. 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is the show dedicated to craft beer and craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. How are you doing, Greg? Oh, I'm doing great. Everyone check our pre-show to have all the information. Lots of great info in the pre-show. But today we are doing triples. We are continuing our Belgian flight, our flight through the various Belgian styles, and this is the triple, a style that I'll be totally honest with you, when I first got into beer, I wasn't all that enamored with, and now I'm much more enamored with. I mean, I started, you know, as like a brown ale double fan, and now triples have really gone up in my estimation. Great. Yeah, we did doubles last week. I figure it's only fitting to do triples this week. Absolutely. Sure you can guess where we're going next week. <laughs> triples are basically complex, spicy, amber ales that have a lot of... Uh, Lots of phenols. The yeast-generated fruity, fruity banana esters are also common, but not necessary. Pale, light-colored ales that, finish, that may finish sweet, although any sweet finish can be light on the palate. Okay, so we're going to start with the Gowden Corollas Triple. This is from Bowery Het Anker in Mechelen, Belgium. 9% alcohol by volume on this sucker. It's a uh, little bit of, little beady bottle. 330 know, milliliters. 330 milliliters. So we're drinking these, by the way, in goblets like our doubles because it just works out. It gives you a lot of aroma. Uh, it spreads the beer out a bit, which helps to kind of mi- diminish some of the yeah. carbonation. I was looking at the uh, glassware guidelines for this, and they said a goblet, a chalice, or a snifter. And I was thinking, these triples normally have huge heads. And I think if you put it in a snifter, something that closes at the top, then you get really thick and hard to get through to the beer. So that's why I chose the, the Chimay goblets today. I like a goblet for drinking these styles because you know they have a lot of aroma, so you can detect them. But they also just they tend to have a lot of carbonation. This kind of evens out a bit of the carbonation in the goblet style. Even though I am a fan of carbonation, it is a um, a straw colored. These triples are are going to be light colored and not uh, dark like doubles. Even though they have, as opposed to singular or, or Belgian ales, they have. Triple the amount of malt. Yeah, this is, I'd say, gold to gold orange. And it's uh, sort of cloudy. Can't really get the image through the other side. I'm not really getting much in the way of smells. In fact, it smells like something which, which smells kind of corny, a little DMS-y. Smelling something along the lines of ginger ale. Good call. Good call. And a little ginger ale with, with some malt sweet flavor to it. There is it is this skunked a bit? I taste it at the end there. I taste some real I'm not getting any skunk. I taste some some very off flavors that that are very that's very skunky to me. Yes, significantly, right in the back of my Hmm. of of my mouth in this one. Um Initially, it is kind of ginger ale-ish. It, it, it hits you with a little bit of, uh, of malt and, and some of that ginger-esque flavor. A little bit of sweetness. A lot of alcohol. I think that these are typically going to have a lot of alcohol. Since they are 9%, you're going to have a lot of alcohol flavor in them. I am tasting what's reminiscent of apple juice or apple cider or something like that. So that could be some acetylaldehyde, which is a green apple flavor. But it to me, it doesn't really taste off. It 
it, it's it's an interesting flavor component, not something I normally get in beer. But I don't think it's a, I'm not finding it's a bad tasting flavor. Well, that skunkiness has gone away. I don't taste it anymore. That was weird. Okay. I mean, it tasted well. There it is again. See, I'm not getting it. The beer tastes nice and unspoiled to me. I was going to say fresh, but fresh wasn't the right word. More, more so unspoiled. No, at the very end, and definitely getting skunkiness, and definitely getting. I mean, it, it doesn't smell skunky, which is weird. It's just it's just a flavor that's reminiscent of skunkiness. And typically, your your nose is going to be a bit more powerful than, than your tongue in this regard, and so you're going to smell skunkiness before you'll taste it. So it's odd to be tasting it rather than smelling it. I'm getting nothing along the lines of skunk. You'll be uh, you'll be excited, Greg, about this one. But this is a beer in a style where I think I like the carbonation that comes in it. You don't see me swirling the carbonation. I am excited. Should be. Yeah, the main flavors I'm getting out of this are a ginger ale type flavor and something along the lines from apple juice or apple cider, kind of paired together. That's mostly the big flavors I'm getting out of this beer. It's only at the very end when I'm getting this. It's only the back of my tongue on both sides, but. It's it's definitely there, and it's like, and the weird thing is, I keep drinking it because I keep like, I mean, it's it, that's a flavor that disgusts me, but at the same time, I'm, it, it's so it's fleeting and, and strange, so I'm like trying to capture it, right? So I'm not pouring it out. Right In the now. finish of the taste, what I'm tasting mostly is that. Let's see how to describe this flavor. It's the flavor that lingers from fermented the fermented candy sugar. It is. It's not one of my favorite flavors, but I've become accustomed to it being in this style. And it has a very dry texture to it. It's a, I won't say, I want to say chalky, but chalky is way overboard on that description. Maybe a hint of talc. Um, <laughs> you pour a little talcum powder in your beer and you just put it, you know, in your Budweiser, you get an idea of how right. talc should taste. We got an email from a uh, new listener, Ed, who, who likes our show. Thanks very much, Ed. He wanted to know about temperature and beer. And this is something we used to do a lot and because there's just so much stuff going on. We've yeah, we have kind of neglected really, the temperature. Really done. I mean, he's asking, first of all, are there any sort of guidelines to know what the temperature of beer should be? And it, it kind of relates to both style and, and family, right? Ale versus lager. There's style and family. And I'd say a big part is also personal preference. That it contributes something to it. But the general rules are, if you're looking for a guideline, the guideline I usually use is if you go to the Beer Advocate website and go to the style section, they have a little segment about what temperature, what glassware, what kind of foods pair with the style of beer. That's pretty useful. I mean, that's useful, but I mean, if you're just looking for, if, you, if you're looking for a guideline without having to look up to a website, I would say, okay, if your beer is a lager, it's going to be, you want it relatively cold. You want it to be in around the 40 to 45 degree area. Yes. And if your beer is an ale, you're typically going to want it to be 40, 45 to, to 55 degrees and somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, for the Belgian triple style, they suggest 45 to 50 degrees. Serve it in a snifter, goblet, or chalice. And I don't remember which foods they say it goes with. Uh, I find for high alcohol beers... The higher the alcohol, the higher the temperature should be. Yeah. And I find that... For with high the exception beers, of Imperial Pilsners... Good point. But let me get my point out here now. I, I find that I, myself, personal preference-wise, like to drink very strong beers much, much warmer than the 50 degrees. Yes. I'm talking 60, 65, you know, or perhaps even warmer. I don't know. For some, like, uh, Russian Imperial Stouts and, and some of those, even as close to room temperature. 
Right. Uh, which, you know, because cold numbs the taste buds, and that's why all the really crappy beers want you to drink them really cold. Like Coors Light or whatnot. Um, now, he also has other questions. He has just one refrigerator in, in his house. What does he do to get a beer to his optimal temperature while making sure my other contents do not spoil? Well, pretty much, if you're a serious beer drinker, uh, don't drink beer directly out of the fridge. Put it outside of the fridge. If it's a lager, if it's, a, if it's I don't know, if it's, if it's a lager, sometimes you can drink it directly out of the fridge, although maybe give it five minutes. Mm-hmm. If it's an ale, give it 20, 25 minutes or right. something. Give it some time to warm up yeah, outside Yeah, we get the this fridge. question every once in a while, and I like the answer. It's, it's all what you do, how you treat your beer is all proportionate to the means that you have to do so. Um, refrigerating beer and cellaring beer. You know, if you have a real beer cellar, you're having it at about 52 degrees. Right. But no one can reasonably keep a room of their house at 52 degrees year-round without spending lots of money. So what I tell them for that is do what you can do. Do the best you can do with what you have. If your cellar is 70 degrees, fine, use that. But you're not going to be able to sell a beer for 20 years. Right. It might only be three or four years. You know, And some beers might go off much faster than that. So just and the fridge is the same thing. If you only have one fridge, keep it at the temperature that keeps your food in good shape. And as Greg suggested, yeah, the, it's easy. Just plan ahead a little bit and pull the beers out and sit them on the countertop for um, five to twenty minutes, depending on how much it needs to warm up. And that's pretty much the best way to do it. And you'll, I think you'll find that as you approach beers at the right temperature, your your appreciation of the beer will improve that much more. Absolutely. Don't you love being helpful? Yes. We have some uh, vital statistics about the, the Golden Corollas here. Um, they use, did, you, did you read stuff in the grid here? I didn't read this out. Well, I read about 9% alcohol, but okay. I mean... They say they use only Belgian hops, and it's written in a manner that makes other hops sound inferior, it seems. <laughs> the, uh, the ward extract is 20 Play-Doh. It ferments with high yearst. <laughs> It was the English translation of a Belgian website. So. I see. And uh, Coach Z must have been doing the translation. <laughs> Great George. Uh, say minimum tenability is at least two years, so I think they think that this one can sit for a while. Lager, they lagered for two weeks to help probably get the yeast to flock out and clarify a little bit, even though it's not a very clear beer, beer right now. Now you're saying, wait a minute, this is an ale. What is lager? Well, lagering means cooling. Uh, refrigerated storage. Right. So you store beer, or you lager yeast, you ferment at the cold temperature, and they ferment slowly. With an ale, you ferment at warm temperatures, and then you can lager it, which means put it in the fridge, let the, crush the yeast out, and condition it in the fridge like that. Hefeweizens are typically lagered in that sense. Depends. Some of them are. The ones at um, Toro Brewery, Yeah, he, uh, they lagered all their Hefeweizens. Okay, so our next beer. That was the... Uh, Golden Carolus. So I pronounced it correctly the first time. I hope I got it right the second time here. Uh, our second beer is, um, well, let's go on to this Green Flash Brewing Company because I'm interested in this one. I've seen Green Flash a lot around here. I haven't really tried a lot of their beers, so I want to give them a shot. This is uh, from Green Flash in Vista, California, United States. As far as I know, they are not you know, Budweiser-owned or Miller-owned, so you can take a look at them. Yeah, their IPA is... Um 
one of my favorite beers, the Green Flesh IPA. They also have a double Imperial IPA, but I don't care for that one as much. I think their IPA is a nice, crisp, hoppy IPA. I like it a lot. Don't go crazy. These, these are high alcohol yeah. beers. Sorry. There's a line on your glass. I got to fill it with wine. <laughs> this is 8.5% alcohol by volume beer. This is in a 22 uh, ounce bobber. It's a bottle conditioned bottle. So as we pour it, we're uh, pouring, it, pouring it gently to keep the yeast so, uh, settled at the bottom. It's not a style where you really want the yeast in your beer. These, uh, this is more of an orange color than a straw color. Uh, Does that smell like a West Coast hopped beer to you? <laughs> to be honest, I'm getting another corny kind of smell. I don't know why I'm smelling these as corny, but I am. Okay, that aroma came across as more um, sweetness. Um, Just a sugary sweetness, not really a malty sweetness. Apparently they use uh, Styrian Goulding and Czech Zatz hopping. Zatz, of course, spelled S-A-A-Z. Right. Now, I said the other one tasted a little bit chalky. This one seems to finish chalky. Greg's agree. Oh, yeah, big time. It has a lot of chalky um, dryness to it. It really, it, it, it finishes really dry. I mean, chalky's a great, I mean, you, you can just feel, you can feel that sort of chalkiness in there. And just, it, it, it's like, it's like when, when you bring some sort of, what's a, what's a better example of? Uh, I mean, the way to relate it to your tongue would be like if you um, had some dry cocoa powder in your tongue and were trying to swallow it down or something like that. Right. That's kind of, because you don't eat chalk very often, but dry cocoa powder is very similar. Yeah, it kind of it kind of powders up into this sort of solid mass of, of stuff that doesn't right, quite run down. And of course, this is not this is a beer; it doesn't turn into a solid mass. It just, it it somewhat tastes like that, like like it's like that, it's grabbing onto the back of your tongue and like being dragged down your throat. The, the best, I mean, the best way to describe it is when that happens, the flavor kind of stops. Mm-hmm. It's like you, this flavor continues, and then when it becomes chalky, everything stops. And you're left with really, there's nothing left on, on the flavor. I'm getting Except a little for bit kind of, of little presence warming. Of, of something, of just that there's there's pressure there. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of alcohol warming after the chalkiness, but um, aside from that, it seems to finish pretty clean. Now that's the end of the flavor. What do we have up front? There, there's some hoppiness and some bitterness up front. I think there, as a typical you know West Coast place, this is in Vista, California. They're, they're going to throw a lot of hops in it. And, you know, Even we, if it is a Belgian triple. We had another email, actually, that I wanted to mention. This is from Guitar Gary, who says, In past podcasts, you seem to disstone beers. I think he's a newer listener, so he doesn't hasn't quite heard the whole spiel. But one of the things he says is, he thinks they make damn good beers. A lot of people do, frankly. He wonders if the craft beers that we are accustomed to in our part of the country jade our palate and prejudice. Because he seems to think that because West Coast beers have big hop beers, and that's more indicative of West Coast style, maybe maybe we don't appreciate Stone, or I don't appreciate Stone because of that. Um, Guitar Gary, thanks for for writing in. That's hogwash, and I'll explain to you why. We get a lot of we drink a lot of beers here, and we are fortunate to have the greatest listeners on earth who send us great stuff all the time, uh, including you, Guitar Gary. I love you. But let, let's be honest. We have tried hoppy beers that have blown, rocked our socks off. We don't have an aversion to hoppy beers. I have an aversion to sticky beers. 
in general, I have aversion to, to beers where there's a bitterness that totally sticks around, and Stone loves to make those kind of beers. And people love that. And Jeff loves it. And I'm not saying that, that that's a wrong way to make a beer. I'm just saying that for me personally, that's not my favorite type. It's not, I don't really appreciate that. Although I'm kind of growing to understand it, but I don't really appreciate that so much. That's what's up with Stone Brewing from my, from my perspective. I don't like the stickiness. My biggest complaint with Stone would probably be the, the drinkability factor of their beers. Uh, mostly because of the alcohol in most of their beers doesn't allow you to drink three of them without getting wasted. Right. Um, their Stone Pale Ale is a tremendous beer. And I don't want to, I need to qualify that because if I stop there, then Guitar Gary is going to say, oh, yeah, he's an East Coast who can't stand hoppy beers. Um, I like Ruination, but I don't like the alcohol strength. I, uh, I, I mean, I'm just thinking of some hoppy beers we've had. Uh, Alpha King. Very, very hoppy beer. We've loved it. Moylan's Hopsicle. Moylan's Hopsicle. Awesome. What was that Hopyard IPA? Not Hopyard. That, that's, <laughs> no. no, no, no <laughs> not Hopyard. Uh, but I'm thinking of, it was the Hop Trip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hop Trip was, was great. From Deschutes. Uh, uh, Eel River. The organic brewery makes some fantastic, incredibly hoppy yeah. beers. You know, Greg hasn't had it. Love. I've had plenty of the Elder from Russian River. Tremendously hoppy. It's just one of those beers you can't believe how it gets the flavor in there. And let's be honest, there's some East Coast beers that throw, that throw hops in there too. Hop Wallop from Victory. You want to talk about us talking about a hop? There, there it is. Bell's Too Hearted Ale. Bell's Which too we hard. got another email about, about a listener. We'll go real quick. I don't have your name up. But um, he wanted to know why we never did Bell's Too Hearted with our IPA shows. There's a ton of IPAs out there. There's a lot of IPAs. And, uh, we, we like Bells a lot. We like Bells, and we'll definitely try to get you know too hard on our next show. Now, let's clarify. Jeff and I love hops. We're not a, we're not afraid of hops. We we love a hoppy beer, but at the same time, we feel like we have moved past hop obsession in the sense that we're now interested in not just hops, but really everything the beer has to offer, which includes malt. It includes uh, yeast character. It includes every includes uh, uh, inter- different types of uh, acids that it can occur in some beer. I mean, there's so much out there more than just hops, and I think that hops are kind of a great way into learning about beer when you're like, wow, look at all these flavors, but then it's like, okay, it's like if, if beer is a church, hops are like the foyer. Right, so you walk in, right? Okay. You get into okay. the foyer, and then you open up, and there's this huge, huge. Uh, yeah, we've talked before on our show, and some of our older listeners, you know, this might be getting a little bit old hat, but uh, you know, sometimes uber hoppy beers um, are too too strong for the newbies. But as soon as you get past that newbie stage, and you know. Hops are almost like the training wheels, right? right. Where like you just like want to try everything hoppy because it's such a accessible flavor to explore, and things like exploring low alcohol and and multi beers, it, it's, it's more difficult. And a lot of people that we've talked to have had the similar path like us, where we start off with crazy hop heads, and then they branch out, and then they start exploring different kinds of lagers and things like that. For example, more mild ales, things right. like that. I mean, like Jeff and I right now are huge proponents of session beers. I mean, you won't you won't hear that by listening to a triple show where everything's nine percent, right? <laughs> but I mean, we love the idea of a beer where it's low alcohol, you can really enjoy it. It's not going to kill you with flavor. It's not going to blow you away with hops, but it's going to be really enjoyable because it's got all the things that make beer great, mm-hmm. just without 
killing you with alcohol. Speaking of session beers, I it's not technically a session beer. It's four and a half percent, but that's that's right on the top edge there. Yeah. And at a restaurant like Mad Mex and Cranberry, that's definitely one of their session beers. Left hand milk stout. It's not a super creamy thick milk stout like you might think, but it has a nice roasty flavor. It's a nice stout, and it's being four and a half percent. It's one of the few things at Mad Max you can drink three or four of them. Nice. So it's pretty cool. I like that. I've been drinking a bit of that lately. I like the sound of that. Guitar Gary, I hope that answers your question. I hope that you don't hate us now. And I, I wanted to add one more thing. I like Stone as a brewery. I like what they do. Just like they're one of my least favorite beers, one of my least favorite craft beers. Stone Russian Imperial Stout. It's just because it could be such a great beer because I love the style so much. It's just so sticky, sweet. The exact same problem Greg has with a lot of their beers I have with the Russian Imperial Stout. Some more backstory for people who haven't been with us a long time. We did a, our first summer, we did a summer release stout show because Stone Russian Imperial Stout comes out in the summertime. Right. Uh, Clipper City Peg Legs, another one that comes out in the summertime. So we did these Russian or summer release stouts. And we tried Stone, and oh, we couldn't say enough bad things about it because it was so sticky and so sweet. So once we had you know six inches of snow on the ground, we tried it again. To be fair, it came across the same way, and that's Absolutely. when I'm like, man, that that stout just too sticky for us, for me. And it's odd that it gets keeps getting such high marks by people, but I guess you know it goes to show you that people have different tongues, and there are people who love that. You're not going to get me to to appreciate. I mean, I can I can name ten Russian Imperial Stouts that I enjoy considerably more than Stone Russian Imperial Stout. And while we're talking Russian Imperial Stouts, I meant to say this last week, but I forgot, and I wanted to research it too, and I never got around to it. When we were at the Penn Brewfest uh, after you had left, I was talking with um, for a guy I know called named Tony, and he saying was saying that not this recent year of Dark Lord, but the previous year. He said, what he said, and I quote, they took the sludge out, and this year they put the sludge back in. So what we drank over the last two years, I think were two different beers, and not really spoiled. Um, But what the sludge is, I'm not very sure. We saw the sludge. (laughs) We know what the sludge tastes like. But what taking the sludge out means, I didn't get to figure out. It's interesting. That beer, again, is so interesting because... It's something that typically I wouldn't expect me to like and really appreciate, and I did. I mean, when you hear a beer pours like motor oil, you originally you start thinking, "Oh, sickeningly sweet," and it's just going to be like it's going to lay yeah. on your tongue, and it's going to it's going to be hard to swallow. The connotation I get is, "Oh, it's some kind of gimmick," right? Right? But no, they they backed up their. They did it. They managed to do it right, and and that you know deserves all the praise in the world. The, to get a beer that has that kind of consistency, that is still just to the point where y- you can drink it and you enjoy it, like we did with that. I mean, it, it qualified as a wild beer for me, for me, totally against my expectations. Right. So uh, Tony's probably listening. If you can send me an email letting me know more details about this sludge or if any of the listeners out there who live you know closer to muncie who you know have a real in and you know intimately know the details about the sludge let us know because i really want to know why this year's dark lord was 200 times better than last year's dark lord <laughs> so back to the green flash ipa uh, uh triple it, it, triples we're drinking sorry. triples today it's it's hoppy isn't it <laughs> I'm thinking IPA because man, there's, it's a, hoppy. there's a fair, there's yeah, especially that sip I just took. There's a fair amount of hops in that flavor, not West Coast American hops, but it's uh, it's not necessarily in your face. It's a subtle, 
hoppiness. I don't and know, kind of extreme it, for kind of extreme for a triple. Call it a Freudian slip, but I mean, all I'm tasting right now on on the aftertaste is hops. So okay. it, it, I, the fact that I said IPA should give you an idea of how hoppy this is compared to other triples, at least for us hop repressed Easterners, <laughs> exactly. All right, so next we're going to try the uh, Bornham triple. So the Bornham last week, remember we had it was that was the one that tasted like uh, caramel apple. No, 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 uh, that was the Affligan, wasn't it? Oh, it was the Affligan. Yeah, Bornham was the cherry one. Bornham was cherry. Yes, uh, Bornham always. Hey, I, I I love their double a lot. Got a little bit of a gusher here, so I have to pour them so we don't lose it on the table. This one pours the biggest, whitest, fluffiest head so far. Okay, so we have back to more of a straw color, although with sort of orange tint to it. This is the clearest. This one's perfectly clear. And you can actually, we're using the Chimay glasses. The Chimay glasses have a little embossed logo at the bottom of the bowl, right where the stem is. Right. And it forms nucleation points. So I got this little stream of carbonation coming off of the logo, and it's, it maintains the head on the beer. That's it's, it's awesome. See. I mean, if you if you can get a Chimay glass, you should check it out because that, that little nucleation side at the bottom uh, really it, it makes for some really interesting time when you're just looking. I mean, you can have fun just. Yeah, if you had some that. LSD, man, wow, <laughs> <laughs> or some peyote. I may have some in my car. Hold on a second, I'll be right back. <laughs> a lot of Belgian glasses, um, not all of them, but it's not unusual for Belgian glasses to put that little seal nucleation point on the bottom of the bowl where the stem is, to, and they they do it to. Uh, to help maintain the head. Now, okay, we got we. Hey, we should explain because we haven't talked about this in ten, fifteen shows. What are nucleation sites? When you have a, well, okay, carbonation needs needs a way to escape. Essentially, it needs a way to escape from your beer. I mean, and from from your, the liquid that it's immersed in. And the best way to do that is tiny little scra- is like Bumping microscopic scratches jaggy. or bumps or whatever that the bubbles will form on and then release from that. Those are called nucleation sites. It goes both ways. This is ga- dissolved gas being pulled out of a liquid, and then nucleation sites are also dust in the atmosphere that where water vapor forms back into water. Uh, and, of course, one of the most fam- famous pop culture references to nucleation points would be the Mentos and the Diet Coke. Right. There you go. Coke. That's because the Mentos are covered. Well, there are two reasons. Really, it's there are a mostly reasons. the nucleation points. The chemicals, they had it on Mythbusters. The yeah. chemicals have a minor effect. The texture, the nucleation points on the Mentos is 90% of what causes that well, thing to Well, I mean, go. to be honest, what they found is that if you drop rock salt in there, it's even, even more violent because that is even more, like, you know, by orders of magnitude, nucleation sites. Okay. So. Before this thing airs out, I need you to take some aromas, take some whiffs on this. See, thing. it's interesting because the other ones, like I said, smell kind of corny to me, but this one smells just sort of grainy. I'm smelling. Drain, like sink drain, drain, sink drain, floor drain. It smells a bit rotten. We're different people today because what I'm smelling is basically uh, a bit of, um, and it's strong. I'm smelling strong drain aroma on this one. Your drains must smell pretty pleasing because this to me smells like grain. Is it is it grain? Is it drain or like standing water? It's like sulfur drain. Maybe it's a sulfury smell. I mean, hardcore sulfur, not like the the slight sulfur. Like rotten egg sulfur. Not rotten eggs, but um, sewage <laughs> drain. Like you know, like a a, st- a stinky old drain. That hasn't wow. been cleaned up. No, I don't smell that at all. 
Not at all. I mean, usually when you say something and, and I smell for it, I can detect it. I don't smell it. Let me smell your glass. I smell it in your glass. <laughs> yeah, smell mine. So yours was the first glass, right? Yeah, your glass smells completely different. <laughs> completely different. Do you smell the, the, yeah, po- the yeah. pungent floor I, drain aroma? I did smell it. What, that's really weird. Mine was the first glass. Yours was the second. What does this bottle smell like? I, I don't smell. I don't smell the floor drain, so it probably isn't as potent. That's weird. <laughs> That's really strange. Yeah, I definitely smell in Jeff's glass. It's just Jeff's glass, though, not mine. Well, I've Googled, and I was trying to look up to see exactly what compounds cause that floor drain, sewer drain uh, aroma. I don't recall from my BJCP class. It's one of the flavors in that Flavor Active Taste Kit. It's a it's a wild yeast infection or a bacterial infection or something like that, if I remember right. I wish I could have found the documentation, though, to let our listeners know. Well, like I said, mine doesn't spell Jeff's does. I'm curious to see how that affects the taste. Do you have it in your flavor? Yeah, me too. It's a it's a, it's almost it's almost a little bit band aidy yeah. too. So it's the phenols from a wild yeast infection or something like that. Now it is a Belgian beer, but I don't think they'd be using something that funky. Yeah, it, it, it's band aidy. It has a little bit of that sewer drain taste. It's weird that I was not able to smell it. And like I said, when we trade glasses, we can smell it. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was very strange how that worked out. But uh, this this one is spoiled somehow. So I don't know if we can necessarily truly judge this. I mean, yeah, I can taste the flavors behind it, but it's just unpleasant to drink. So I think we're going to pause and uh, rinse our glasses and go into the next yeah. beer. Okay, so that's in the, in the drain. And our next one is going to be what this listener sent in one? Yeah, let's do the... Um, this is... Go for it, Greg. Et plus culotte. It's French. Try it again. Can you get better if you know it's French? Et plus culotte. It's uh, Midnight Suns, Belgian triple. It, uh, what did they say it stands for? It stands for... Panty Peeler. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously... Their double is uh, La Matrice du Mont, or it's... It's been a while since I've seen it, but it stands for the monk's mistress. Now, are they saying panty peeler in the way I think they're saying panty peeler? They might be. Uh, a good example, another, and you may have heard of Knicker Dropper. Like, for instance, there's a song by a band, an awful band called Hoobastank, called The Reason, where uh, the whole song is like, the reason that I want to change is you. You're the reason I want to change who I want to be. Blah blah blah. It's, it's a blatant knicker dropper. The whole point of the song is I want to get your pants off and oh, okay. you. So, uh, <laughs> well, there is a uh, cartoon of a uh, <laughs> naked woman riding a reindeer on. Oh look, she's throwing her undergarments into the air. There you go. Okay, so um, a pluche I assume that's how it's said. I mean, I, I took French in high school. Forgive me. It's it's been fifteen years. Yes. Has nine um, percent. It's a winter release from Midnight Sun Brewing in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, okay. <laughs> the first thing I thought was, "Ooh, that was off flavor." Then it, they were off aroma. Then I smelled it like, "Oh, okay." Now I can I, I can picture that. Kind of gingery. Again, yeah, yeah. And there's tons of carbonation in this one. 
And the flavor, too. A lot of... Why is it so much ginger? They don't actually use ginger in there. Yeah, I don't know. It's just we're getting it tonight. Maybe it's something it's I weird. put in your head. Voluptuous yet elegant, Papouche Colette Triple extrudes its free spirit with orange amber color topped with a creamy white head. The aroma is sweet, <laughs> spicy, and earthy. Marketing speak department. The addition of Curacao bitter orange peel. There's something interesting. Whole coriander. So it has like whippier stuff in it. Mm. Infuse the citrus and spice while a special Belgian yeast strain imparts the other enticing flavors and aromas during fermentation. This is sent to us by Gary, so thanks a lot, Gary. Not bad. You know? Not not bad. It, it, it doesn't try to hop you away like the green flash. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you... Um, I mean, they obviously threw a lot of different spices in there to to, to bring up that kind of interesting quotient of it. Yeah, it doesn't really. I mean, there's the the candy sugar, the the, the Abbey yeast. It doesn't really taste wheat beer, but you can kind of now you know to look for it. I'm getting a little bit of the orange peel flavor. Yep, I haven't picked up the coriander yet though. It's there. It's in the. It's behind the orange. Okay. It's like you know, get in line behind the orange. Yeah, like here's the orange, right? And a couple couple paces back, you know, you got the orange, and you got the the carbonation, and you got the the alcohol, and you have a little bit of the malt, but then the 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 coriander's there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I've had a couple beers from Midnight Sun when I was on the beer cruise. I had their, I thought it was a double, but I saw today on Beer Advocates a, a strong dark ale. It's the Monk's Mistress. Carry in. on my wayward son. But midnight sun. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, we can talk about The Sopranos in the post show. Oh, you've actually seen it? Yes, I've watched I didn't it. want to talk about it in the main show, so yeah, okay. Great. So that, that'll that entice you guys. You singing the brought show. the whole final scene into my head right there. Oh, but that was Journey. I was. I that, that was All right. Close enough. Of course, if you're not interested in hearing about The Sopranos anymore, then I guess don't listen to the post show. Yeah. I don't know, you know. What do you think? Well, I've had these are all high alcohol beers, and I'm trying to remember what the what the the Gauden tasted like. I remember liking it. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna have that issue here. Um, remembering exactly what these I things mean, tasted the, like. The, the green flash was was hoppy. The Bornum was skunk, so we're not doing it. This the one golden. Is, remember that tasted a bit barley wine at first, right? It had yeah. a really malty. It was orange. No, that's right. That's right. It had it had the skunkiness at the end. All our listeners like, yeah, you dumbasses. <laughs> hey guys, if you were here drinking these beers, you'd be thinking the same thing. Like, well, what was that one like? We also had a triple in the in the pre-show. So. Yeah, we should talk about that. We did uh, Brother David's triple from Anderson Valley in the pre-show. Right now, that's winning for me. I mean. We didn't want to do this in the main show because I've had this one for a year, and last week the double was horribly oxidized, so we didn't want to have another bad Anderson Valley on the main show. But it turned out to be really good, and no one requested the uh, wax to play with. <laughs> we can talk about that the post show, I guess. I'll cut that. This uh, this Alaska, it's a nice drinking beer. It doesn't have any of those hooks. That we can talk about for minutes and minutes on end. Yeah, though. yeah. It, it, it's well, I mean, it has that orange at the front. It, it, it's interestingly spiced for a triple because you don't hear about other triples being spiced like mm-hmm. that. Right. So, or at least it, it's not published whether they do that or not. Um, yeah. So, like I say, spiced like a wit beer, but uh, created like a triple. That you know doesn't use wheat. It uses um, barley, as far as we know. Yeah. I just got a little bit of a a burp, and it was orange. So that orange definitely comes yeah, through. Good. Yeah, it's, it's funny how you get those. You can't really taste the flavors until they come back out, and you're like, whoa, there it is. 
and and now yeah now the orange is really I mean now that I'm really kind of looking for it the orange is very apparent here this is this is this is an orange flavored triple as opposed to a triple so tread lightly if you're looking for pure style I think it's a very nice Belgian beer though I mean sure it might not win a competition in the Belgian triple category right. where you're judging directly on the BJCP guides as a homebrew but as a strong Belgian ale. It's nice. It's beer. really nice and drinkable. Uh, it's probably drinkability wise, you know, it's going down easy, very easy. Then you know, but it, like I said, it's deceptively easy for the how much is it? The nine percent alcohol. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate that you know the easy drinkers are hard for us to fill. You know, five minutes of time talking about where these other beers we can just go on and on about one little nuance of the flavor. This becomes the problem with uh, session beers, right? Mm-hmm. Because session beers, they're they're good drinkers. They don't really have they're not incredibly mentionable, but you know. So how do you promote them and say, you know, wow, it's fantastic to have a whole bunch of great session beers, and say, man, this session beer it's um, really drinkable and it's good, goes down <laughs> easy, and it's good. <laughs> If we did a session beer show, it would be 20 minutes. <laughs> Let's move on to the final beer of the night. Final beer of the night is uh, the St. Bernardus. Yeah, gusher. Triple, and it's gushing. It's definitely had a, a lot of potential energy in there <laughs> waiting to get out from that pressure. Uh, this is, you may have seen the St. Bernardus ABD 12. That's their quadruple, which we will be tasting on our quad show. We're trying their triple, which is, uh, their, their 12 is, I think, blue and their triple is green. Yes. The triple is 8%. They have the uh, the monk that looks like Norm MacDonald. <laughs> eh, I don't know if I think it looks the like face, Norm. Just the face. Looks like Norm. No? No. No? Okay. I'm reaching. You're reaching a bit, I think. Hey, hey it's Norm MacDonald. <laughs> See, I, maybe the reason why I hate impressions... <laughs> We talked about this in the pre-show. Maybe the reason why I'm not necessarily a big fan of Impressionist comics is I'm not an Impressionist myself. I can't really do that very well. Can't do anyone. Do your best, Chris Walken. Come on. Okay. <clears throat> the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. It's not bad. That's very good. <laughs> Better than I can do. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. You know, well, Chris Walken is classic. Well, that, it, it's kind of like it—it's it, the Candyland of impressions, right? <laughs> yeah, if you can do anything, you know, you can do Chris Walken. Even though I don't think I can, I can't even do a Pittsburgh accent. So it's depressing. You got that dad pants in that? I can do one that good, but I mean, like, I hear my friend's dad talk, and it's like it's as good as like. Oh, like, man, I wish I could do that. It's no weird because accent. I always think of myself as not having an accent and, 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 and being above that. But I'm sure, like, it, 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 besides, like, an American accent, you know, whatever. Right. But I know that I've picked up things from living in Pittsburgh for 10 years that that happen, right? So right. I, I hear people, like, I, I just, I, I know people point out that I say sort of We're getting pretty off topic. Let's say this. We have had a lot of beer. Uh, okay, so this is... This sounds like it's going to be a good conversation, and I'm probably going to end up editing it, so let's try to remember to say it for the post-show. Don't edit it. Leave it in. Uh, we'll see. Okay, we'll see. So St. Bernardus Triple. Ooh. It's definitely the fruitiest one so far. Lots of esters in this one. That is lovely. 
that is a lovely, lovely beer. It is. That is really well well made. It's less carbonated than the other ones. Oh, well. I guess it can't be because it gushed, but... Maybe the other flavors are breaking the carbonation up. I mean, that's just it. It's it's it comes together so well. The other beers have seemed to be a little bit. I mean, pushing one thing or pushing the other, and this one just seems to come. All of them so so far have been pushing that chalky slash fermented sugar type tart slash dry taste, and this one isn't pushing that. This one finishes wetter than the other ones. When I said it wasn't as carbonated, I was completely wrong. Second sip again was just completely explosion of bubbles. <laughs> it just it had that different flavor that mitigated the carbonation. It didn't stand out and scratch your tongue like the other ones were. Now Saint Bernardus is is at least their quad is at the top of all those lists, and uh, I think deservedly so. And this one deserves a lot of of praise too, because in terms of these triples, th- this is the best of the night from as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this one is is just coming through, kind of. Exactly what I expect. From it's velvety. It's it's soft. Yeah, it's, it's it's got it's got all the flavors you want, but it's not overpowering any of those senses. It's is nice and drinkable. It really is drinkable. Um, it's strange that it has so much carbonation and it's still velvety and not prickly. Yeah. Maybe it's really really small bubbles. Those monks, man. <laughs> all of the well, boredom guys. These like, aren't monks. This is just a commercial brewery. It's not an Abbey beer. Or it's not a. Uh, What's well, says Abbey Ale? Maybe I thought they they were, I th- I it's an Abbey. It's just not Trappist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is an Abbey. You're right. It says Abbey Ale instead of Abbey style. So, oh, you're right. It is an Abbey beer. Good stuff. It's monks, man. They know what they're doing. I mean, they've done it for hundreds of years, so they they got it down. Yeah. Maybe you're talking to somebody like Green Flash, and have been doing it for what ten years at the most. You can make good beers out of the gate. I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying that if you have a hundred, you know, two hundred, three hundred years to perfect it, you have, you're, you know, you're you're better online. But then then again, someone will say, well, what about Budweiser? And Hazard Bush has been that for over a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> have they well, they perfected what they want to do. So exactly, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's perfected. So again, there's not as many talking points about this beer, though. It's just it, it's all coming together so well. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not jumping out any which way. It's just saying you know here's all your kind of flavors. Here's all your you know Here a is, little bit of your green apple, a little bit of your your carbonation, a little bit of your hop, a little bit of your malt, a little bit of your sugar. Here have have a specimen yeah of the of the Belgian triple style. Yeah, yeah okay this, you, you've you, you've gotten all the spikes. Of, you know, okay, imagine like a circle with a bunch of spikes on it, right? Like, say, you know, you draw, if you draw the sun, you draw a circle with a bunch of spikes. Imagine all these beers, as the beers we had before, as spikes, right? Mm-hmm. There's been a spike of oranges, there's been a spike of hops, there's been a spike of bad flavor, whatever. In the middle, right there, pop in the center, there's a St. Bernardus. Right. Saying this is what triple is. It's nice. It's a very good one. And. I think, you know, it's rating time. That's our favorite of the night, St. Bernard's. Absolutely. Uh, my next, uh, am I going or are you going? I'm, I'll go. Okay. The Golden Corollas will be my second one. All right. I, um, I just really liked it. It had a, that multi flavor. And um, to be honest, you know, these really dry, chalky triples, not chalky, the dry, you know, sugar flavor, fermented sugar type f- triples, really isn't my favorite style. I can drink them, I can appreciate them, but not my favorite. The the golden the golden Corollas had a little bit more malt to it. Nice to back it up. 
Number three. Oh, yeah, we have Brother David. I honestly don't know if I can remember what Brother David tasted like. <laughs> um, so I'm going to not rank him. So I'm down to the Midnight Sun and the Green Flash. That's right. I think I'm going to put the Midnight Sun three. Okay. And the Green Flash four. The Brother David very well could end up above one of those or both of those. I just honestly don't recall. Okay. Um, I think that, unfortunately for Goblin Corollas, that, that skunkiness I tasted is not going to be well for it. So it's going to be dropping to the end of the list for me. For some reason, I taste that skunkiness, right, right. and it's just it, it's got to go. Uh, then I'll do that, and then... Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. So my number one, of course, is St. Bernardus. I mean... <laughs> Well done. Well done, Muggs. Uh, number two, hey, I got to go with Brother David's Triple. I remember really enjoying it in the, in the pre-show and thinking that it you know, really started off the night very well. So I'm going to say, Brother David's, you win. I mean, you didn't. You certainly did not win for your double. No, not necessarily a fault of your own. I mean, it was oxidized, but mm-hmm. it didn't work for us. But the triple gets a high point from me. Next, I'll go with the Epluche or Epluche Coulot, the Belgian style ale from Midnight, Midnight Sun. Sun Brewing. And I kind of like the orangeness of it. I mean, it, it had a lot of orange to it. Mm-hmm. And if you look, if you look at like an orange triple, then if you're going for an orange triple style, right. then probably number one, <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> and number one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number one and and number one, one because it's the only one there is. Uh, the Green Flash Brewing Company is triple. The uh, that's all they call it, I guess, is their triple. Yep. I like go at the end. I mean, it's hoppy. It's West Coast. It's throw hops in it. That'll make it better. <laughs> uh, not not quite my my cup, cup of tea for the whole thing. But hey, there there's not bad. people. I've had it, worse triples. Yeah, there's proponents for that. I've had worse triples, such as the Goblin Corollas, which didn't really impress me all that much with their. Stuff. I just think you're crazy. There was uh, that was that was. Dude, I taste is skunk. Okay. I mean, if I taste skunk, what am I going to do? Put it no, high? No, you can't. But I'm just surprised that I didn't detect any skunk. I and mean, usually, we're pretty tight on skunk. Well, we had the different glass problem already, so I mean, maybe it happened twice. Maybe it's weird. It's been a weird night. Very weird. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. <laughs> Thank you, really, because I mean, you've been listening to this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, every once in a while, you got to do Belgian triples. Oh, right? we, what beer am I? Oh, shit, yeah. Hey, Greg, what time is it? It's time for what beer am I, Jeff? All right. We only had two respondents this time. Well, two people managed to guess what beer am I. Yes, the winners were Ryan Deming and Wayne Preto. Or Preto. 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 And the winner is, okay, Ryan's the top and... and, Yes, Ryan is heads, Wayne is tails. Tails, Tails. Wayne. Wayne. Congratulations. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne. You are the winner of a beautiful, adoring pint glass from East End Brewing Company. By a good friend. A good good beer. beer. So, um, or Kvass, which is also a good beer. Hey, so, at the very end of Wayne, the show, send us an email, beer at craftbeerradio.com, and give me your address, and I will get you that pint glass right out right quick. That's right, Wayne. Post production sober Jeff here realized that we didn't mention what the name of the winning beer was for the What Beer Am I? It is the Existential Hop Wine from New Holland Brewing Company. 
We also didn't have a What Beer Am I clues ready for this week, so tune in next week for a new What Beer Am I. Okay, now this show's falling apart, so we will see y'all <laughs> later. Thanks for listening. Quadruples next week. Wow. I'm ready, are you? Let's do it. Let's do it right now. Let's not do it now. Let's say we did. Okay. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com or check out our website, craftbeerradio.com, for forums and more information. Our music, opening and closing, were Out of Towners by the band St. Dragon, available from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Party on it.